Good morning to well. Welcome back to the Artifexian podcast. In this month's episode, Danish currency is deposited into the Bank of Artifexia. Bill receives some custom-made Soviet-era propaganda posters. I need help with colors. We review the book A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. And Bill and I, we start a conlang. All that, plus lots more, in this month's episode. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Um, lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song about RSS feed issues uh, with my tinkering of a website. How about that for a start? Between Shakespeare and Billy Joel, we've nailed it. We have, we have. No, no, no that's not, sorry, what about Billy Joel? Send me your ears and I'll sing you a song. That's the Beatles, sorry. Sorry. Between Shakespeare and the Beatles. Last show, beginning of last show, I put in a little uh, thing at the start being like, hey, there's been RSS feed issues. I just want to reiterate them here uh, and probably I'll reiterate them in the next show uh, just because there's little I can do to fix it. So long story short, folks, I messed around with the website to be able to get artifexing.com to be the new ha- home for the lore of what's happening on the main channel that involved changing of domain names. Now, um, everything was fine with the changing of domain names uh, unless you uh, added the feed to your podcast player manually. If you added the feed manually, your feed was now pointing at the wrong place. If you were using a podcast player, the feed would have updated itself. I know it works for iOS-based podcatchers, Google Podcasts, it works It works on Spotify. But if, if there's any sort of, if you went to Artifexian, dot com back in the day and manually inputted the rss feed into your pod player this feed will be broken now forevermore there's no way we can we can do that so the only thing you can do uh, and god i hope you're listening to this on the youtube version and not thinking that the show is dead because your feed is not updating um all, all you can do is go back to artifactsingpodcast.com links in the show notes and re uh enter manually the rss feed um if you're so inclined, though my advocacy here would be try not to manually do these things if at all possible. I think it's so much better to just let uh, a podcatcher crawl the various directories and just pull it automatically. That's That way, if we update stuff, um, it'll just happen in the background and you'll never know about it. Um, so just, yeah, again, PSA, RSS feed for manual users is broken. Please re-enter. Everyone else should be fine. Cool. And I apologize for the confusion that this caused. Turns out it was not uh, as easy as I thought it would be. <laughs> All right, uh, that's number one. That's PS8. Number two, this is just completely unrelated to everything other than it's conlanging related. Um, there's a site, I'm sure everyone's aware of this, called Fiat Lingua, uh, a great resource. Links in the show notes, definitely check it out. Um, recently, Jesse Sams of, um, I guess, Langtime Studio fame is how I know her the most, but she's done conlang for various shows. She's she's a conlanger. Um, put an article on Fiat Lingua that's Gram, Gram Bank feature lists for language documentation. Uh, Gram Bank is this new kind of like, um, uh, I guess, a, a depository of information similar to Walls. Conlang nerds will know about this. Um, and it has a, a, a nice way, a nice information structure about it that is particularly useful for conlanging as a sort of checklist of things you may want to consider uh, in a conlang. 
Jesse converted this into a really good Google Sheet, which I will link in the uh, show notes. I would encourage people to start using this. I will be starting to use this. It's great. Uh, the link bill is on page five, but users, show notes, descriptions, it'll be there. Um, and it's a really, it's just a really nice way of of generating a features list and getting you, the conlanger, to to ask questions like, does my language have articles? How are they working? Et cetera, et cetera. Really cool. Oh. Grand Bank, Fiat Lingua, Jesse Sam's spreadsheet. Check them out. Cool. This is comprehensive. It's cool, isn't it? It's very cool. Yeah. Um, and judging just from the pictures in, in Jesse's uh, kind of article there, Grand Bank looks to be have a larger source of languages or a larger bank of languages to draw on than Walls, um, mm. which, which is awesome. Um, and Walls already is... That's the World Atlas of Language Surveys, is something like that? Is it that yeah. it's called? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Walls is absolutely baller. Like, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, website. World Atlas of Language Structures, sorry. Um, and any kind of, I guess, improvement or evolution thereof, which Grand Bank appears to be, is just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so that's number two. Number two. Um, number three, and then I'll pass it on to you, Bill, is Bank of Artifexia. We are going to put Bank of Artifexia in this part of the show because Green Room is going to be taken up with uh, looking at, um, at the book A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. So we'll do it here. Um, we got a card from frequent letter writing correspondent, Sam the Barber, um, who sends in 50 kroner, uh, Danish kroner. Now, a couple of things here. Uh, one, I'm having incredible deja vu, and I, I really thought we talked about this on the show before, but according to the Bank of Arifexia money map, we have not talked about this. In fact, there's been no Danish currency submitted to the Bank of Arifexia. This is the first. But I'm looking at this and being like, I swear we looked at this on the show before. So if I'm repeating myself here, folks, and Bill, I'm really sorry, but we're going to go through it again. <laughs> <laughs> so um samuel the barber writes uh, basically they were in copenhagen with their partner and so they were like hey here is some danish money for you uh, they also asked me if um they said they almost got some quote sal sal something licorice in the airport in finland when we had a layover but salmiak uh, yeah exactly no, they write sal dot 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 something. all right <laughs> um the which you know Sam, your terrible friend. You should have sent me licorice. Um, the uh, the other one says, uh, my boyfriend asks you, uh, have you had the Danish spunk liquid licorice? Uh, S P U N K. Apparently, I looked into this. Uh, no, I've not. But it sounds absolutely delightful. Danish spunk licorice. It's on my it's on my licorice bucket list now, Sam. Um, and then the money is fifty uh, Danish krona. Um, which I think is particularly fun because it is in Danish. 50 is haltres, uh, um, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, and that literally translates as three minus a half times 20, which is just a very uniquely convoluted way of getting to the number 50 in language. And I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a wonderful feature of Danish. Uh, 70 is four minus a half multiply by 20 90 is five minus a half multiply by 20 and it's just it's absolutely glorious so when i saw this this banknote i giggled i was like oh danish oh danish so that yeah is absolutely ridiculous. it is ridiculous <laughs> but it's lovely 
uh, on the oh, oh as always um show notes chapter art you'll be able to see this this banknote uh, obverse just real quick we have the salingsund bridge which is a big a whopper bridge that connects some island in in denmark i tried looking into it see if there's anything in particular special about it other than its size not really apparently on the reverse we have the uh, scarp selling vessel uh, which again is um i think an item of um like historical note and we also have a little map of where the bridge and the vessel are in denmark in case you get lost <laughs> uh, the wa- the watermark is the skull delev viking ship uh which is a- a- apparently again a um a noteworthy uh f- archaeological find where they found like a whole bunch of viking ships together uh and i think they thought of the of these ships were i i can't remember the name for it, but like um ships that were designed or commissioned to be deliberately sunk to order to blockade rivers and stuff to save from maritime attack oh, cool. um and that's what that archaeological site is i think based on limited research and then as always everyone's favorite techno babble part here or i guess like a finance babble part here 50 danish kroner is 7.19 usd 6.71 euro 630.23 japanese yen 5.79 great british pounds and 1.02 chinese yuan at the time of recording markets may vary um and that is that is a really lightning fast uh bank of our vaccine thank you sam and now we have we have all but iceland covered for um for the bank of our map and i'm pretty sure iceland has its own currency am i uh yeah i'm nearly positive it does let me do a quick google uh icelandic krona yeah, krona, yeah. Uh, so that's the only one uh of scandinavia left um and that it would be amazing if, if someone happens to holiday in Iceland or something and they want to ship me the lowest denomination of Icelandic note, <clears throat> we can be like Scandinavia complete. That would be that would be a cool day. And uh, the, so the final, final point of follow up. This is lightning fast. I love it. There's so much to talk about today um, is uh, we got some artwork. I put out a call last episode, Bill, uh, to be like, hey, we want some Soviet era propaganda art uh and um the call was answered do you want to take us through this yes so we got sent um two posters by listener milo um based on a 1920s era uh soviet poster links in the show notes links in the show notes um and you probably put these up as chapter art yep yep um so the I'll, I'll I'll talk through the 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 original Soviet one first of all. So uh, this is kind of on an orange background. There's three right arms uh, holding up the Cyrillic letters. Um, hold on, how do I pronounce these? How do I say these? It's like the S E A. It looks like B C E in the Latin script, um, and it says on it um, "Workers for the re-election of the Soviets." Um, or something to that effect. That's what Google Translate gave me. Um, if I was to say it in Russian, it would be Tudyashesya na Perevuvu Sovetov. I definitely got the re-election word wrong, but anyway. <laughs> Send hate email to Bill, please. <laughs> um, so, uh, Milo's originals 
Um, there's one here, a black background uh, with thick red text on top saying they are among you uh, and five kind of glyph figures, one of which, uh, four of which are white and one of which is red and has horns. Um, and it says below, report possible enemies of Lansk to your local popular executive headquarters immediately. So it's it's telling, uh, you know, the, the citizens of Lansk to be on the lookout for um, those who would betray the agitators and the labor movement. Um, just for people, anyone new perhaps, do you want to just uh, uh, define what the Lance popular executive is real fast? Sorry, yes, of course. So um, in my world building and my writing for the last uh, couple of years, it's, it's mainly focused on a setting um, in which Lansk is one of the cities and there is currently a sort of a labor movement uprising taking place there. Uh, in which the Lansk popular executive is is one of the 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 factions fighting against uh, corruption and uh, the the mercantile companies that are bleeding everyone for labor and profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoy this poster uh, mainly because like the devil horns are completely unnecessary, and <laughs> I just love that as an extra way to vilify. The, uh, the the enemies of the land's popular executive. I love that. Because they could have just had it red. Just red amongst white people. You totally get the point. One in one in five uh, is an enemy of the land's popular executive. But it's like, no, no, one in five, who's like a literal devil. I love that little little uh, little bit of detail there. I think it's great. Um, uh, so that's the first poster. It also, it, there's a little bit of, of um, Among Us to it. The what I would suggest as an edit, then surely we should write they are among us and not they are among you. That would be fun. I think that might be a little uh, on the nose. <laughs> too on the nose. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that critique. All right, next poster. Uh, now the second one here is a red background. Uh, along the bottom, there are three uh, raised, clenched left fists, um, and above each is one letter. L, P, and E, standing for Lance Popular Executive. Above the L, we have a pickaxe, uh, like a glyph of a pickaxe. Above the P, there's a kind of a crossed uh, hammer and that other kind of hammer that has a spike in the back. Not, not, sure. not a claw hammer. I don't know what we'd call that. Is it a mole? I have absolutely no idea. Absolutely yeah. no idea. Anyway, you, know, the, that, you know, two crossed tools. And above the E, there is a cog, like a, a, a cog wheel, a gear. Um, and across the top it says, we need you. The Lansk popular executive values your labor. No, very cool. Yeah, um, I, li- I like this one better. I like this one better. You, you like this one better. I was about yeah. to ask about what's your opinions uh, on them. Um, yeah, no, it's really cool. I, I, th- They are so fun, but they, they make me sad at the same time. Uh, because, because the color scheme of red, white, and black, which is the, the clear and obvious color scheme... Um, it's always kind of associated with like negativity, kind of evilness, mm. uh, uh, bad state-run propaganda, and like they're the artifacting colors. They are my favorite colors, and it's really frustrating. Like, why couldn't I just have grown up loving the color blue, um, like everyone seems to do? It's blue is so much more of like a neutral color, uh, but if if red is your favorite color, it's kind of like. There's so much negative connotation there, whereas I find the color combination of red, white, and black to be just beautiful. Um, but it comes with so much cultural baggage. I hate it. And it's all I wear. I don't own, aside from like exercising gear, I don't own clothes that are not red, white, or black. They're oh, the really? only colors I 
Yeah, they're the only colors I wear. I guess you can call, I guess, gray. Shades of grayscale plus red are what mm-hmm. I, is what I wear. Um, and I just, yeah, I just wish I'd, I lived in a world where, where that's considered fun and happy and not like Soviet Stark. Russia. Stark, yeah. Um, so that saddens me. Um, so thank you very much, Milo. I, yeah, these, these are these are class. Uh, as I said, I particularly like this this red background one. Um, thank you very much for for sending these in. We'll throw. We might even throw it up over Bill's narration if it's if it's thematically fitting. In the I future. don't have a narration this week. Remember? This, this no, no, in the future. In the oh, future. in the future. Sure, sure. That might be kind of fun, as opposed to the map every so often to throw this in. Uh, whenever the LPE gets up, get gets up to some shenanigans. <laughs> Um, cool. Thank you, Milo. That was dope. Absolutely dope. Um, right. Follow up done? Question mark, question mark. Follow up done. Tick. All right. Main topic. I released a new video, Bill. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a 45 minute whopper video that only came out, uh, yesterday. So I'm pretty sure you haven't watched it, nor do I think we should. Nor do I think we should talk about uh, 45 minutes worth of me doing topography. The only thing I want to ask you about is the map I produced in said video in the show notes there uh, for mm-hmm. folks and Bill, it's in our doc. Um, can you tell me what color, um, the non-brown colors, what color is that to your eyes uh, on the land? The non-browny red colors. What, what color is that? Well, there's a green and there's a dark green. There's a green and there's a dark green. Okay. <laughs> that is the worst answer. Crap. <laughs> so, it's you know where the plants of my world are meant to be? Uh, okay, well, first of all, it's it's definitionally kind of not. It's definitionally teal. Like, if you look at this in just out, out of context, and if I were to just give you a swatch, uh, a swatch you would be like, oh, that's a teal color. But in context, it never looks teal to me. And you've confirmed what I've been feeling. I wanted you to tell me otherwise. Um, oh, teal, but it, teal is a kind of a green. I stand by it. Oh, sure, sure. But do, would you call this teal or would you call this green? Uh, colors are fake, man. I don't know. I, I know, no, I know, no, I know, Bill. But the, the reason why I ask is that I said that the plants are meant to be kind of a tealy color. Um, right. Like I kind of want to sell the idea that I want to give an image of what the plants look like, but I'm finding it really difficult to not make the world look green. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like I need to find a teal that is evocative, is more bluey, but not blue. I'm finding it really difficult. So I'm, that's why I'm asking about what, what sort of color you see here. Do you see this being more green or more teal? Like what does your brain immediately go to? Green. Green. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I am... Um, it is amazing how fuzzy colors are because I, I brought this to the patrons, uh, the main channel patrons uh, during a live stream. And I was like, what color do you think this is? And then everyone's like, mm, it's kind of teal color. And I was like, well, could we, could we move it more to the blue like this? And everyone was like, nah, don't do it. It doesn't look good. And I'm like, ah, and it's such, it's, it's, uh, I am reminded that like, ne- or not reminded, I next time pin to future Edgar when I make a world in like season two or whatever, um, there's no way in hell the plants are going to be anywhere near green on the spectrum because it's so hard to sell that idea. Like if they were red, not a bother. Red, super easy. If they're purple, super easy to get that across. But because teal is so kind of like in the green wheelhouse, it's so hard to sell 
a teal effect and not make it either look blue or green. So your feedback there has, I'm going to have to do something about it because it, it cannot be green. I ca- it ca- the response cannot be green. It has to be something other than green. It cannot be green. But um, teal is, you're going to get some people who are going to say green when they see a teal. Sure. I, I'm wondering maybe if it's worth just taking a bit of artistic liberty and just make it blue. So to, to sell the idea that this is not green. They're meant to be teal, but we're depicting them as blue here. Um, because any other sort of thing, any any usage of teal proper here is just going to come across as green. So I might actually I might actually do that. Um, and in many cases, I think it sells a sort of vibe of a monochromatic world that I'm going for. Because imagine how cool that would be, Bill, if we lived on a world where, where like the sea and water is like blue. I, I know it's rarely ever blue, but let's just say blue. And then like the plants all around you are kind of like an, a little bit of an off blue and it's all monochrome. But then like when uh, spring comes and flowers start happening, there's just like this, uh, against this sort of bland backdrop, there's this like explosion of color. Um, I think that's a really cool vibe. I think like color on this world will stand out more because of the monochromatic background. Uh, and I'd like to sell that in the map. So I think maybe going blue is a good idea. Okay. Yeah, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to get your vibe check on that. Now on to the real stuff. What are we doing this month? I'm vibe so stoked about this bill. <laughs> uh, so this month we are going to start uh, collabing on an Avesky language. Yeah, because in the last uh, recording, you had mentioned about the Soviet posters. You were like, oh, I'd have to probably make a language and like a script. And uh, I I get the impression that's not really something you're wildly into or have explored a lot before. Um, I'm I'm definitely into it, but I just kind of. I'm into a lot of things and that's kind of not super high on the list currently. And I wouldn't really know where to start. Um. The I think knowing where to start is really difficult. Um, I, I struggled with that uh, a lot, uh, may, like back a few years. Um, but anyway, anyway, yeah. So we're I figured I was like, this is great, right? Because I, um, I if anyone's noticed on the main channel, I'm doing zero con mining because the whole plan is to build a world populated with animals, stick humans in it, then make up a language for said humans and like associated culture. That means. That like conning is like literal years away. And I'm really conscious of completely alienating folks who are only here for, uh, only kind of follow my stuff and our stuff for the conning sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to find a way to do some conning in a way that doesn't disrupt the sort of like stated goals of the new series on the main channel. And the minute you mentioned like, oh, I'd have to do some conning, I was like, well, I could do some conning. And that could be how we do this portion of the show going forward and yeah. uh, you do you do a little bit of narration and then after that i tell you about the next bit of the conlang that has occurred you give me your feedback on it and tell me what you like and don't like and i basically like help you craft the language that you would like a besky to be and we do the, we do that on show uh, not not live uh, like i'm going to prep it folks so it's not like we're going to be live doing conlanging in audio form, I think that's a recipe for disaster. Um, like it's going to be prepped and we're going to do like analysis of what I've done basically. Um, and I think that's a really good way of going about it. Um, the only other thing uh, that I don't think I've mentioned to you, because uh, it only just dawned on me very recently, um, is that I would like to 
work on the Abeski Lang um, on my Friday night main channel patron live stream, right? Every Friday night, for the patrons who patronize the main channel, I do a Friday night hangout stream where we do stuff that can range from working on calculators to drawing maps to learning about music to doing just random random Edgar stuff. And um, that would be a perfect way for the main channel patrons to still get their conlanging fix. Mm. Um, if I could work on it there. Now, this means this means we're kind of like cross-pollinating genres here. Like our podcast world is bleeding a little bit more into our main channel world, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, I don't think, but I'd like your uh, feedback on that in a second. And the other thing is, if we're going to do that, I'd also like to cross-pollinate patrons. So we have podcast patrons and we have main channel patrons. I think for the Friday nights where I'm working on a Besky on the stream, uh, the two sets of patrons should be allowed in, basically. Yeah. Because it involves both of them. I'd imagine that there's a good deal of overlap, like people who support both. Um, so I want to bring it to you and to the audience. Will Shall we allow this? Um because there could be an argument made that like main channel patrons be like, well, you know, we're paying for this and they're not paying for this. Why are they getting this, etc.? Um, should we, with that in mind, should we allow this? And I guess, yeah, main channel patrons, are you okay with that? And podcast patrons, are you also okay with that? Um, and I guess I, w- I would like a vibe check for the general format. I work on it on my own time with some of the work being done on a Friday night on the main channel patron which everyone should have access to if you're a patron bring it to bill on the podcast recording once a month analysis edit rinse and repeat let me know what you think of that format both bill now and uh audience members and if if tweaking needs be needs to be done we'll do it so thoughts um as regards the the patreon thing um is there there will still be other stuff that the main channel patrons will have access to that the, yeah. yeah so the, they will still have other benefits as well oh yeah for sure yeah well okay in that case that seems reasonably fair to me then because you're just you're just saying that this is an, an additional thing that other people can can also pay to act you know what what the podcast patrons are paying for this is another thing that you're adding to that so yeah that seems fair to me yeah, that's what I think. But but again, nice to get a vibe check from the audience. I would be yeah. in agreement with you. Um, yeah. Now the rest. Um, uh, yes, I like this. Uh, I I have a I have a little kind of um, hesitation over like giving up control of it, but that's an internal thing. Um, no, 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 no. Hold on. Wait, wait. Sorry, I tried to cut across you there. There's no giving up control. Like I am, but your servant here. Um, like my job is to try and do the thing that you want to see happen to make the language want to see happen like I'm not going to be coming along and being like Jesus Bill like I really hate the direction you're going like the direction you want to go is the direction you want to go Um, and that's the whole reason why when we come once a month to talk about it like it's me doing kind of exploratory like um, information gathering to be able to implement what you want it's your thing I'm just your servant I mean, I was going to say that like, I, just, I kind of just need to be comfortable with that. and um, But okay, even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, look, allow me at some stage if you go like, I don't know, I'd like to 
a throw in a, the bilabial trill, for example, just because shits and giggles, I might be like, doesn't fit here, Bill. Maybe something else. Like, I'll, I'll suggest stuff, but like, yeah, ultimately, yeah. it's just I'm implementing what you want. Um, which is going to be weird first for me because I've never actually started a language that someone else already has done some work in because like as much as you haven't been conlanging you have made up names uh, mm. of stuff and people so you've already kind kind of laid a sort of phonological groundwork and yeah. i've never had to like take that analyze it and then reconstruct what might be happening so that's gonna be a fun little challenge that i'm gonna almost certainly make a fool of myself uh in, in doing but here we are um so yeah i uh, yeah get comfortable with it. it'll be fine but don't worry it's all about you not me Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. Here's hoping. Um, and I suppose the, the other the caveat I'll put here is that, re- remember everyone, we record once a month. So this is going to be the world's slowest conning. Okay, we all need to be comfortable with this. This is not like we'll get it done in like a month or two. This is like, we might get it like air quotes done in like on the order of years because it's only because like bill has his own life um to deal with i have main channel stuff to deal with this is very much a kind of like little extra fun thing we're doing almost as a little side project it is not mm-hmm. the main focus of, of of what we're doing so it'll take a lot of time please be comfortable with this um please don't send me email being like hey when will this be done the answer is just just assume the answer is never if we all just assume that that's the answer we're we're, we're on a good footing um all right, with that in mind, uh, shall we start? Let's. All right, so I have, you have made a Google Doc entitled Abesky Words. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I should, I should say, what we're going to do today is we're just going to look strictly at phonology. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do analysis of uh, the sort of terms and, and names and all that crack that Bill has come up with. And we're just going to look to see what sort of phonological trends are going on. I'm going to get a vibe check from Bill of what sort of sounds he would like, etc. So we're not doing anything grammar related because there is, you, you can get some grammar out of what Bill has already done here, but we're pushing that, we're pushing that down the road. Um, with that in mind, you have made this spreadsheet called the Besky Words. Can we link this spreadsheet for the folks? Uh, yeah. Yeah, That's cool. We'll link this, we'll link this so you can have a look. Uh, it's basically a big list of people uh, hold on. Can I edit this? Have you given me editing permission? Uh, yes. Yes, you have edit, yeah. edit permission. Uh, Devint is a thing. You should include that. I know it's not a person. I have. That's a... <gasps> Where, where's Devint? On the third sheet, assorted. Wait, there's multiple sheets? Oh, I totally missed that. <gasps> there is even more. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we need to talk about a Besk. That, that is a weird phoneme you got going there. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. General notes used as a genitive suffix, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay, 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 great. So we have, we have spreadsheet. Oh, this is so cool. There's even more than I, than I thought there was. We have a uh, spreadsheet here with people, places, assorted, and general notes, all containing terms that Bill has come up with. Um, So maybe we should go through this sheet by sheet, and you tell me about your thoughts on the sort of data you've gathered, yeah? Sure. Okay, so in the people sheet, what what is noteworthy here uh, to your eyes? Or ears, rather? 
I mean, I, I wasn't coming up with this just kind of starting from nothing. I had a sort of a, a sonic picture of, of what I wanted it to sound like. Good. Um, so I would actually sometimes uh, write words in, in Cyrillic when trying to create names and come at it from that direction. Um, and kind of try and put myself in sort of a Slavic kind of um, sound world, or at least my inaccurate idea of what that would be. Um, so there's a bit, definitely a bit of that kind of influence here. Um, this is kind of jumping ahead to stuff I want to ask you later, but I'll do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you describe that sort of like Slavic sound world? What, 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 when you think Slavic languages... What are you? What are you thinking in terms of like uh, phonology, in terms of the sound of them? Um, well, more Africans than are in English. Is that is Africans the right word? Uh, that largely depends. Can you make the sound of an African? I can tell you. Like, shchel, like sh kind of sounds, kind of complex consonants happening together. Yeah, complex con- Okay, well, that sounds to me like uh, consonant clusters. Uh, yeah, but not, like, not 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 just clusters, like the specific ones. But but also with like palatalization going on there as yeah, well. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some palatalization. Yeah, that's that's very Slavic. Um, okay, and so you, you would be in agreement that like heavy palatalization is maybe a thing that exists in your like pseudo Slavic sound world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And same goes for. Uh, big consonant clusters, which you've already established can exist. So I'm assuming that is a thing you would like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, um, of spe- specific sounds that I have included that may not seem um like a natural a natural fit to that um is oh my god I can't remember what it's what it's called uh, the voiceless alveolar lateral fricative is is in this. The la sound, isn't it? Yes, like the Welsh double L. And yeah. in fact, that's how I have transcribed it when I've been writing things. And it was in, in the very first name that I came up with, everyone's favourite, Yarta Yartlin. And that's the sound I'm trying to do there in Yartlin. Yartlin. Okay, okay, okay. So that uh, sound is in there. Okay, so um, that sound is going to uh, be there. Okay, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. grand. Other specific sounds, uh, je, like in Dajag. Mm-hmm. Actually, and also in the name Dejag to Shensha, uh, a kind of a nasal quality to some vowels, maybe. I've been trying okay. to pronounce it that way. Is is that, uh, I don't remember an awful lot of nasalization happening. Is that something that's isolated to, to Dejag to Shensha? I can't even do it, Shensha. Um, I, or... I don't think I was making an effort to do it anywhere else necessarily, no. Okay, okay. But that is potentially something you'd like to see kind of uh, maybe as a feature of language, nasal vowels? Potentially, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm taking notes. No, uh, apologies if my, if my responses are are okay. Yeah, grand. Um, you you have here for a, a, oh my god, like was it ev Everich? Everich? Everich. 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 Uh, you've noted here the Vedar fricative for Everich. Yeah. Uh, is that noteworthy? Uh, I don't know. I just did want to make note of it when I was making this list yesterday. It was just like that is you know make sure that it is there because it's not in a lot of varieties of English. Okay. Oh, so oh, you're highlighting non-English things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily. Like I didn't have a, a specific um, 
methodology for the things I highlighted, to be honest. It was just, oh, I thought of that, I better include it. Yeah, um, feelings, feelings. Yeah. Um, totally. Um, the Okay, so just quickly scanning these names, mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, this would be better done at the end of looking at all four sheets. I am realizing... Hold mm-hmm. on, give me a second. Let me just let me just look through this. Oh, I have one more note actually. Uh, yeah, just let me not lose my train of thought for a second. Hold on. Sure. So, I am seeing, unless I'm very much mistaken, I'm seeing a distinct lack of complex clusters in onset position. Word 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 initial complex clusters. I have highlighted here what was that Slvata? Slvata, and, yeah. And uh Rminden. Rminden. And then And there's uh Sudena 45. Sudena. Yeah, but but so it would just be an Africa, wouldn't it? Okay. I well I would I would I would imagine that like the way you pronounce it sounds like Sudena. Like a, yeah. like the German like tsunami or yeah. um Zwei. So that I wouldn't that I wouldn't call that a, a complex cluster, but a lot of them are not like that. And even when we look through the places thing, we don't have an awful lot of what I would kind of class as like Russian level complex clusters, which in is onset, interesting. Yeah, in onset. Now, obviously, word word medial. So like um, in the middle of a word, um, you got a lot of stuff going on. But that's word medially. It's usually more uh, free. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that is interesting. So, like, do we, would you do we take any data from that? Do we do we say that like we should minimize the role of these Slavic like uh, massive clusters, or it's just that this sample set is so small that we haven't you haven't got a chance to like invent more of them? What's the commonality of these? Do you think? I know my my gut is kind of saying yeah. Let's let's say that they don't tend to happen in, 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 as much in onset. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, right. we have a few of them, as as you pointed out, Slovata. Um, I mean, we have we have, we have two. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it's there, but it's not super common. Slovata is interesting as well. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, sorry, you had one more point. I cut across you. Um. Well, this actually I uh, can kind of come up in places as well if we want to shift over into sure. that. Let's shift over into places. Um. The use of or nearly as a vowel. So I have that in the name, uh, or maiden. And then in the name, of the, which is a, a personal name that I have on the first sheet there. And also one of the locations that I refer to a lot is Mirsfer. And there's like uh, that so V-or at the end. that it's, it's nearly like a vowel there. Yeah, you've a, you've a syllabic uh, liquid. That's the syllabic I was going to think of, yeah. Yeah. Um, just as a matter of interest, do you ever use the L in a similar vein? I don't know that I have yet, but I would be open to that. Okay, so Abic liquids, uh, wonderful, um, and that's fun because we could we, we could try and like evolve in evolving slabric liquids. You kind of you can get complex clusters for free, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of cool. Um, slabric liquids, nasal vowels, palatalization. Okay, Grant. Um, while we're on the places tab here, we have the word A B H E S K. Can you pronounce that, please? Abesk. Abesk, okay. Abesk, so, yeah. So you have pronunciation notes here where you show like an aspirated B. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, that's something you specifically want. So like you, you'd want a series of stop consonants that are that have this like bretty um, murmured uh, quality to them. I think so. Okay, that's that's that 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 is intriguing. I have not worked with this before. So uh, well, yeah. short of actually, I, I did. It, it sometimes though that though that series of stops is useful in tonal genesis. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. So aspirated. Well, I was, I think I was thinking a bit of like the way it sounds in certain Indian languages. Yeah. Which is a feature of, of those languages. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but, yeah, but so that, that is, that is breathy in that case, is it? It is. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, I, I see it here on, yeah. The four-way distinction aspirated and it's, 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 this is in. Uh, Sanskrit, Bengali, Marathi, and Gujarati. Yeah, the the voice aspirated is done as a breathy in the transcription here. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I could have sworn that Punjabi had the four way distinction, but it does. It does not. It has um, voice stops, aspirated voice stops, and voice stops. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn that uh, that that was the thing. Oh, can I can I interject with with language talk that you probably find horrifically boring, but it was an absolute revelation to me. <laughs> Always, so dear I, I I got a visit from a family member uh, whose um, wife uh, is Burmese. Okay, uh, and uh, just talking about Myanmar and the like, it, it inspired me to go look up Burmese, like the language and what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And at least according to Wikipedia, and at least last time I checked, Burmese has a super useful consonant, and that is the aspirated S sound, which is like whopper rare, like Weird. very, very, very rare, and very rare for it to be uh, phonemic. But again, according to Wikipedia, that is a thing. And I am so happy with this because I need to, for an upcoming project, I need this phoneme there to do a thing. Um, and I've always been like ambivalent about it and been kind of like, like you're very useful here. And I know you exist like as allophones, like Korea, Korean has it as an allophone as far as I remember. But I was like, I need you to be a proper full-fledged sound. And I never found evidence of it being a proper full-fledged sound. And I... I'm so happy that I stumbled across Burmese and I don't even care if Wikipedia got it wrong. I'm like, if Wikipedia says it, it's good enough for me. <laughs> so I'm so happy. It was really, really fun. Uh, but yeah, I just, such aggression. I'm really sorry. So you're going for, so you're doing a little bit of ejection of like Indian subcontinent uh, in there. Or or to put another way, a bit of PIE because PIE had, had that series of um, uh, bretty voiced um, stops as well. Oh, it did, fun. yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, shock horror, proto Indo European, you know. So, um, so that that's that that's a fun addition. Uh, one that I actually didn't realize you were doing. I was trying to think about your sonic world, and I never once clocked that the BH was uh, the thing you romanize as BH is literally um that stop series. So that's that's interesting. Anything else on the places tab, other than that and the syllabic liquid? Um, hmm. Uh, obviously, I use a lot of V, a lot of the, in in my in my my sound world here. Um, I believe there's no w. Uh, well, that's now. So some of the place names I do have, um, are for 
places outside of the kind of the Abeski cultural region. Um, so we do see a war in Ebwar. Yeah, but we could we could say it's just a Lombard thing. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not sure about some of these because um, some of them do kind of fit like uh, Nalmia and Atramia could be kind of they could fit into that same same sound world as well so maybe some of these are loan words some of them are abeski words for uh mm-hmm. neighboring places um that will have their own unique names for themselves like unrelated names for themselves um so i've, I've noted those down there that the the other places which are ebwar hene anshes nalmia atramia hoitan and Erthan. Well, the Arthani is a culture, not a place, but you get me. Um, they're but not a best. But again, the E there is the genitive suffix, so it's of Arthan. So you'd imagine Arthan would actually be the place. Like the people of Arthan. Well, of it's, Arthan it's, it's, it's not a place because they are a totally nomadic people. Um, but it's, yeah, it's still, it's genitive of Arthan, even if Arthan isn't a place, yeah. Oh, well, then I'm assuming Arthan would probably be river. The of river uh, people. It could imagine. be the word river. It could be the word river, yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought of that, yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but that doesn't matter because that's not an Abesky word. That's not what we're doing here. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the, the lack of a W is, is completely fine. And I think I'm going to get this wrong. I think in fitting with a Slavic thing, is it Polish where it's a V instead of a W? Is it Polish? I don't know. Hold, hold on, hold on. Sorry. On the fly research, I will cut all of this. Hold on. <laughs> um, I'm such an idiot, Bill. Agreed. It's Russian. Why? It's Russian. That's the big one. Like, yeah. all right. Um, so I'm sure. I'm sure other other uh, Slavic languages also have a V in lieu of um, W, but mm-hmm. Russian has it, which makes sense. Um, so cool. Yeah, that's that's a further indicator of a sort of Slavic vibe. That's awesome. Making a note of that. Um, other things on this page. Uh, I do use double letters in two places in Usen, which is the, the mountain range. Um, I think that's more kind of a, a kind of the fact that I'm writing in a sort of an English language yeah, yeah, idiom. Yeah. I don't think that it c- carries huge meaning there. Um, can you can you pronounce the word uh, Usen and the word Selen? Usen, Selen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any difference. Yeah, um, I mean, but I mean, you could, you could, if you want, you you could make those genitive if you want. So it's just a longer s. Um, so it'd be like Salen and Usin. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't think I've been saying it that way though. Okay. Yep. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Uh, you've, you've, sorry, sorry to cut across. You've double vowels as well. Uh, is yes. vowel length a thing that you've been doing? Or you would like not to, consciously. Okay. Would you like not to look no, at vowel length? No, I'm not bothered about vowel length. Okay. okay. Grant, grant, grant. That's fine. Um, yeah, I have it there for for the town of Trier or Trier or something. I don't know. Um, there's a couple of things here where I should probably go back and check how I pronounced these, like Trier, and for number fifteen there as well, uh, Porad or Parad or whatever the DH. I'm not sure if that's meant to be like a. a like a th sound or the sound. Yeah. Uh, was that a voiced dental fricative? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or you mean, you're not sure if it's that or it's a um, aspirated stop. Yeah. It could be either. Yeah. 
Um, I might go back and check which which I pronounced it at when I recorded that that the extract that that appears in. Yep. Cool. Um, but yeah, it could be it could be aspirated or breathy or whatever. Okay. Uh, the other thing I want to ask about is um, Coda clusters. You're allowing Coda clusters in a city like Lansk. Mm-hmm. You're allowing two clusters there. That, but it's not. Again, it's not something that seems to be um, a trait of the language. There's very little. There's very little Coda clusters going on. We have oh we have a Borsov C Irens. Uh, so we have an NS yeah. uh, license prospector. We get a little bit of that, but not too much. So I'm assuming again that is something. That, uh, are we are we chalking this up to a mistake, or are we encoding that? We're saying that Coda, cost, Coda clusters are also allowed. Yeah, they're allowed. Yeah, they're allowed. Yeah, cool. Uh, grand. Okay. Anything else on the on the on the places page? Um, I don't think so. Okay. The assorted. Okay. What, so we have, we have two vessels, mm-hmm. and then we have the various companies. And uh, do I, like, there's, so many, there's so few words here. Do you want to just like read them out there so we can get a vibe of the sound world? Sure. Lothiel. Vale Ada. The Tamar Company. The Eltian Company. The Valden Company. Um, Arvix and Urselk. And Dvint. Again, yeah, I'm seeing evidence of Coda Clusters evidence of again well non-english onset clusters um palatization in like the eltian um yeah which is interesting it's not elchin it's eltian so you're 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 really you really are palatalizing that t and not turning it into an africa that that's fun and interesting um sometimes i've subscribed that with a j and sometimes with a y you know don't worry too much about trying to make those mean different things necessarily i would say yeah i i kind of reserve the right a little bit to mess with your romanization if needs be yeah. um yeah. we can just call it a standardization it's fine we see previous episode for talks of standardization <laughs> of writing systems <laughs> um but yeah okay cool uh anything anything in this assorted uh page that is noteworthy now to you? Urselk, i'm not really sure about if whether that's really the word um that they say because i did make that by jamming like real word real word words <laughs> together um you know it's a, a bear with antlers and ursus and an elk um but maybe it fits i don't know it'd be kind of fun if it did um i i don't specifically object to it but you know i'm not super tied to it either sure sure and th- this yeah this was the bear deer hybrid thing going on was this in this world? Of course it was in this world because this is, I keep forgetting that E. Cairn is romance because I keep yeah. thinking like these, these creatures are in romance. Then I'm like, oh no, but romance is, is E. Cairn. Yeah. We changed that years ago. I'm, I gotta say, Bill, it was a very successful rebranding probably because romance was just a, a very obvious placeholder name. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, and I worry about this on the main channel where down the line, like years later, I'm gonna be like, now lads, it's time to change the word, the name of the planet from Kretak to what it actually should be, oh, and everyone's from scrolling juice. from Kretak. Kretak. Oh yeah, you haven't watched the the latest video. Yeah, in the latest video, uh, I was like, "There's placeholder names all over the website now. Go check them out." So the planet is called Kretak. Um, the continents are called uh, Esri 
Degra and Janner. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you notice a trend? Just no. In those, no. Okay, if I said that the southern continent. Oh, was hold on a second. Oh. Say, say them again. Esri, Janar, and Degra, or it could be Degra. I can't remember. Well, the, the last one could be your name. Reversed, like messed around with. Yeah. If I told you the southern continent was called Picard, would that be a bit of a hint? Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're just I'm just mining names from Star Trek and just spattering them all over the thing. <laughs> um, but these are actual names, so my worry is that like uh, people will just come to know the planet as being Kretak and I'll have a terrible job trying to get them out of that. But look, that, that's fine. Um, it's better than future saying, Edgar problem. That's exactly. Let future Edgar, let that guy deal with it. I hate that guy. <laughs> uh, oh, tell me about it. What an Egypt. Okay, so now we have uh, page four. We have literally general notes. You have dash E used as a genitive suffix. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, I th- I guess it's a little bit unfortunate that it is that you chose that because it is shock and earth-like, obviously, and not just earth-like. Like it's indicative of languages that you know um, most of the listeners listening would use. Um, but that's what we have, so we need to um, we need to go with it. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe we don't need to. I mean, maybe because maybe we could say that's just a, a artifact of the fact that I've been, I've been putting it into English, but. I mean, I don't see why not either. No, I, I reckon go for it. Like, we should try and like leave these terms as undisturbed as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be things I would imagine through the evolution of this language that would just be like, listen, we can no longer have Bowerin. It's got to be boring. I'm sorry, it's just yeah. not happening. Yeah, um, also, yeah, we haven't really talked about vowels at all because vowels are very, very fake to me. So. Kinda... <laughs> Yeah, vowels vowels are, are like a spectrum and consonants are like stairs is the way I think about it. Like it's a very distinct, with consonants, there's very distinct cutoffs mm. between the consonants. Um, but with vowels, it's just like, who knows or who cares? Like it's just, it's mad. Um, and also the IPA is kind of crap at transcribing some vowels, like the low vowels, for example. Um, it's all just a, a nightmare. So th- good that you're not wedded to any of these because they will almost certainly move around the place. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, that is, okay. So I, I, that is an, enough kind of fodder for me to go ahead and like craft, um, a couple of, um, inventories. Okay. Can I add one more idea? Yes. Yes. Go for it. Now this isn't something that I, I think I've, I've put in yet. Um, but it is still, um, reasonably slavic i feel um it would be cool if we could have the uh what is it it's it's in check um let me check what it's called here uh no, the voice check a the voiced alveolar fricative trill so that's like the or with the with the the carrot on top of it in in check so it's like, it's kind of doing a, a trilled or and a sh at the same time. In Czech? Yeah, it's, in Czech. No, it's not in the word Czech. It is in the Czech language. No, no, no. Yeah, yes, the Czech language. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Hold on. Uh, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want that. Oh, God. Okay. You want that. Excellent. Um, Sure. I'll <laughs> try and make that happen, I guess. 
Wow. I mean, can you pronounce that? Um, some, in some positions, kind of. And you can make that distinct from like r followed by j, r -j, r -j. Like you can make it distinct because according to Wikipedia, many foreigners pronounce that phoneme as or plus j. Um, but that is apparently not meant to be the case because it contrasts with or plus je in Czech words. Um, well, now I'm on the spot. I mean, well, no, 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 I'm not asking you. No, no, I'm not sorry. I'm not asking you to pronounce it. I'm saying like, you know, we can, we can totally throw in sounds that, um, that you can't pronounce. You just need mm. to be comfortable that you can't pronounce the, the, the sounds for future yeah stuff like that, that is that is a thing for you oh my god of course it's in Dvorak yeah yeah, That's, yeah. I, yeah and I, I went to a festival <laughs> in Yaramir okay I have no idea about the history of that phoneme I'm gonna have to do some research um I, yeah as always I can attempt to make it happen but just good luck pronouncing it <laughs> uh so we're gonna have that's nice I like that that's cool that's cool um anything else on that uh as regards like phonology specifically i don't think so um i think that's kind of that's the guts of it okay cool and like i said i'll try and craft so we'll, we'll do the naturalism uh thing where we'll work from proto-lang and evolve forward so i'll try and craft um some proto-inventories come up with a story about how we get there how we might in theory get from there to something like what you got here. I'll, we'll talk about that on possibly next show, maybe even next show thereafter. Remember, this is a long, long project, folks. And uh, you can give your thoughts, rinse and repeat, edit, all that sort of jazz. Happy? Sure. All right. Uh, let us now stop and save. Um, I shouldn't say that. That, that is like breaking the fourth wall. It's letting people know that we don't record this all in one go. Um, <laughs> they're actually listening to it live when we're doing the YouTube premiere that's it yeah that's us talking Yeah, we're, we yeah. are both talking and typing uh, at the same time yeah. um, but anyway, let's go into a green room because we're going to talk about a book and I am excited okay let's do it green room okay green room book review Master of Gin, P. Jelly Clark, links in the description. Now, it has been a month uh, since I've read this. So, uh, Bill, can I get you to take the lead and be MC here? Because um, I may have forgotten some details. Okie doke. Um, but before, before I switch over, uh, just the usual caveat, there is no more uh, content after this. Spoilers for the book Master of Gin. If you want to read it, stop now. Come back to this later. No further content. You're not missing anything if you stop here. Heads up. All right? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go. So, uh, The Master of Gin, uh, as you said, is by P. Jelly Clark. Um, and it is set in Cairo in 1912, 40 years after the return of magic to the world. Ooh. And the main character is uh, an agent for the Egyptian Ministry of Alchemy, Enchantments, and Supernatural Entities, um, who is named Fatma El Shaarawy. Ah, Fatma El Shaarawy. 
And the will I, will I give a plot summary? Yeah, yeah, do. Uh, so the the plot is essentially uh, an investigation and manhunt into a figure who claims to be the the return of Al Jahiz, who was the the mystic who returned magic to the world forty years prior and has since disappeared and is you know assumed dead or whatever. Um, so this this figure um, claims to be Al Jahiz returned to the world, and uh, Fatma must stop him at all costs. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good summary, actually. Um, it's like steampunk alt Cairo. Yeah. Um, is a sort of vibe. Genie if, punk. G- Gen- Genie Gen- punk. Oh my god, Gin punk. That is. Totally the name of the show. Actually, no, we should probably call this show like the Abeski Lang, uh, because like announcement wise, but Gin Punk is great or Genie Punk. I love that. Um the uh, for anyone who's seen season one of Korra, Avatar the Last Airbender, Legends of Korra, this is basically that, but set in Cairo. Like it's it's this follows the same, like there's this big bad and everyone's like who is this uh, This guy, this, like, masked evildoer, and it's up to the good guys to chase him around the place and uh, uncover who he is and save the day. Very much Korra sort of vibes I, I got from this. Um, okay, can we put a pin in that, because I'm going to come back to that point at the end. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's all I was going to say, just that as a way of kind of describing, to, to kind of, like, sell this to people. If people are, like, if you're not already mm. sold on, you know, 1912's Cairo steampunk but with magic um it's the legend of Korra but in a different context uh which is which okay. is quite fun um but yeah uh, given that we've done the uh the summary there what are your thoughts good book bad book and elaborate um I really enjoyed the world building at first I was like uh, 40 years is a bit short for it to have changed as much as described. Like, you know, it's it's like Egypt is kind of the, the great world power nearly. Um, but then I was thinking, you know, it's been less than 40 years since the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. And that seems like such a uh, long ago time. And things have changed like a bunch of times since then in our in our world, in our lifetimes. So maybe maybe that was a bit a bit harsh of me in the first place. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I, re- I really like the... The, the the world building um, and I thought it, it interacted with historical reality in, in kind of interesting ways uh, like there's a scene where there's um, a peace conference and there's yes. all these dignitaries from, from around the world and they are mostly real people like Kaiser Wilhelm is at it yeah um, <laughs> so there's I've, I've, I made a list here the, yeah, the Kaiser Wilhelm, uh, President Pajare uh, of France. Um, the, there's a Russian uh, Grand Duke, Yakov Zielinski. Um, they're the three name characters who, who appear at it. Um, and there's also, he's not ma- named, but uh, Liege Iyasu, who was become the emperor of Ethiopia in 1913, is there. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's like a mention of a teenage boy uh, presumably the heir to the dying emperor, um, which would make sense. At first, I thought that that would be Rastafari, but he he didn't become emperor till a little bit later. Um, 
And the, there's a character who's who's called Umar Tal, who was like the herald of Al Jahiz. Um, he, he foretold the coming of this guy who would return magic. That's also a, histor- a historical figure. Um, he was the oh. founder of the Tukalek Empire in in like West Africa, like Mali kind of area. Um, oh, and there's real much. battles. Uh, so just things happened the other way. Like Tel Al Kabir was a, a battle between. Um, Egyptians and the British, which I think in reality the British won, um, but in this the Egyptians won, mm-hmm. um, uh, stuff like that, and like the 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 Berlin Conference happens in this this timeline, but instead of being about uh, the the white nations deciding who gets to colonize which bits of Africa, it's deciding how they're going to stand up against the fact that Africans have magic now. Mm-hmm. It's um, like it's so like I, a a reverse sort of vibe going on there. Yeah, like, it's, it's like the, the the same thing happens, but for for kind of a, a, a sort of an inverted reason almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, so there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, but I didn't really enjoy a lot of stuff about the book at, at the same time. Um. Just mm-hmm. I, I I didn't like the the prose that much. There was bits where the prose felt kind of clunky and didn't really land. Uh, there was bits of it that felt really anachronistic the, in the dialogue. Um, oh, could, uh, sorry, have you got an example? There's something about, um, like, where they, they refer to a character being being worn out from using magic from fighting or something, and it's like the, the battery is fully drained. I was like, that doesn't seem right. That, mm. that feels a little... Like, even in the context of the book, there isn't that much to do with electricity. In, in the te- their technology and that, that just felt a little a little out uh th- that was the one that i remember there was a few other places that i i felt it it it, it didn't seem it didn't ring true and it felt mm-hmm. a bit modern um and i thought the the pacing of it felt kind of clunky or something as well um interesting yeah so interesting. The, so o- overall like as i said i really i really like the the um the, the world building and kind of what it was doing with like playing with the the colonialism and like it, it it was it was a very it was a very rich setting even without the the invented elements and the the fantasy and stuff like it was you know it was Cairo as this incredibly multi-ethnic multicultural uh city um even taking away anything to do with whites or Europeans um you know the, it's it's like the Middle East and all the different parts of Africa and stuff, and the Ottomans, and just even only considering them, it was this incredible uh, blended culture, um, which is just a, a thing I really loved seeing represented. Hmm. Um. Hold on, I'm taking I'm taking notes of of, of what you said. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, can you can you talk more about why you thought the pace was clunky? What do you mean by clunky? It's hard to it's hard to explain exactly, but for like the first kind of half or maybe two thirds of the book, it was like they'll go somewhere, and then Al Jahiz will turn up, and then they'll be able to follow from that, and then they'll go to something else, and Al Jahiz will turn up, and they'll go to something else, and then Al Jahiz will turn up, and it just it like by the third of time it happened, I was just like, yeah, well, of course. Obviously, that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's, 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 there's no there's no shock or anything to this, and it 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 I don't know. It felt kind of perfunctory. Okay, okay. So, so perhaps may I speculate that clunky is maybe not the correct word because clunky would imply like um, transitions are 
ill executed because from my perspective it like this thing flowed like water but it was just a little bit like i would define it as being a bit childish um the way the the, the prose works just like what you said is like oh we go to like x spot and then bad guys there and then there's like a fight or a chase and then next spot like these these like um i guess set pieces or whatever like flowed really well from one another it's just that i disagree with the what's actually going on you know which is different from clunky yeah maybe maybe yeah, yeah. okay because so we're in agreement that i i agree with that as well um yeah so i guess i guess we're on the on the the peace conference just because you brought the peace conference up i the the part of the book where i stopped taking so i i like this book i thought it was fun Mm-hmm. but it's nothing more than just a bit of lighthearted fun. I don't think this is like a, a deep book or I don't think this is a book that has much to say. Uh, it, it does on the surface, but I think not not below it. It's it's popcorn, I think, um, which I find really weird because it won a bunch of awards and you'd think there'd be more substance to it then. So maybe I'm just completely wrong, but I had a lot of fun reading it, but that doesn't really mean I enjoyed it. Much like if I eat a bunch of popcorn, it's great crack, but then I feel a little bit queasy afterwards, you know? Um, And the point of the book where I stopped trying to find seriousness in the book and just got okay with the sort of wacky ride that we're on is during that peace conference when Kaiser Wilhelm shows up and he's just got like a goblin dude, like a magical goblin imp or whatever, just on his shoulder and mm. that's because the Germans have made an alliance with some magic people because they realize that they're behind sort of um, colonial dogfight to become the, the, the biggest colonial thing. Um, so they sided with magic, et cetera, et cetera. All of which is very interesting and like ties into the real world. Like Germany was behind on the empire tech tree. Um, and a lot of the choices that were made in the, in, in the wars were, were kind of based on that. So that's an interesting thing to go for. But like the presentation of like Wilhelm with like essentially like a pirate parrot on his shoulder was just like, it was, just, I was just kind of like, I can't, I can't take this seriously. This is just, this is just stupid. Like, come on. Um, and then at that point, I just was like, this is, uh, I mentioned last show, it's like the cavalry charge on a Star Destroyer. I'm like, this is great crack. It means nothing. Like, what are we doing here? But it's great, great crack. Um, so, yeah, I, I did, did you feel the same way? I've, I suppose to sum that, I felt the integration of magic into this setting was at times very silly. Did, did you feel this way? Um, not particularly, no. Um, I didn't okay. mind that so much. What I didn't like in that scene is I thought the characters behaved very kind of implausibly, like these great diplomats just like bickering like children and kind of giving away loads of information with everything they said. And then it turns into a brawl. And I just, that just felt really silly. Um, really? Yeah, I thought, I thought that was just kind of. Well, like, listen, if they, if the, they the, brought. The, the Kaiser is arguing with the Grand Duke and then a, a French diplomat punches a Prussian in the background come on that didn't that didn't ring true for me at all I mean I mean your your man Kaiser Wilhelm was like uh, I think it was known that he was just like a big tempestuous child um that seemed kind of fitting with his character um perhaps yeah but then you know you think he'd have like handlers or something that would stop him from doing things like that yeah I mean that's that that's fair that's fair um more on the more on the magic thing so your man p jelly clark is uh 
we're getting into dangerous territory here, right? Because like culture and race and stuff here. So please, please stop me if this is, um, what's the word? Beyond the pale? Is that the word I'm looking for? Out of bounds? I, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know either. Um, so your man P. Jelly Clark is a, um, uh, an American, right? Mm-hmm. And he was born and it looks like raised in, uh, in New York, certainly born in New York, uh, New York, um, uh, he spent his early years living in his parents' original home of Trinidad and Tobago, um, New York, then Texas, etc. Uh, this is not a man of of that neck of the woods and of that culture. And uh, I wonder about the sort of like, I don't know, the kind of cultural appropriation of it. It felt a little bit to me, uh, reading it, the kind of way people sometimes portray like Irish folklore and culture and use it to make kind of like fantastical mm. works of art and like you sure. know the thing like the the ifrits show up and then i'm thinking to myself like is this a kind of like hyper real depiction of what an ifrit is i don't know i'm not uh i'm not of a sort of arab cul- culture um or is this like a westernized bastardized version of what these kind of like known mythological like entities are and the whole way through the book, I couldn't stop thinking that, so I couldn't really get immersed. Um, I wonder again, do you did you did you feel any of that at all? Uh, I I know what you mean. Yeah, the the parallel that I thought was was actually kind of with Black Panther, um, mm-hmm. which is a very American kind of idea of it's like an, it's it's an American fantasy about Africa. And I, I read criticism of Africans, from Africans, of the film, um, on, on that basis. Um, so yeah, so I'd wonder, would there be a, a similar a similar thing here, that it is, it is very much coming from an American or outside perspective? I don't have the answer to that. I don't have the, the ability to answer that question, but it was a thing I did wonder. That That's the thing, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I agree. I can't answer it either, but it, it, it stopped me from getting down with it. Because at the back of my mm. head, I was kind of like... Oh boy, is this the equivalent of the Irish fairies uh, yeah. going on here? Do you know, so that just it, it hindered. I think my um, my taking it seriously, not my enjoyment, my taking it seriously. Um, and the other kind of similar thing I had was there's a couple of scenes where the the villain um, is like appealing to the the downtrodden in Cairo. Um, it's like, oh, you know the. The, the the authorities they don't care about you and they're 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 just using you and they're gonna ally with the with the West who want to exploit you. And that was like, you know, that's that's again, it's not dissimilar to um how the Black Panther film played out. It was like, well the bad guy is making some good points here. <laughs> I mean, but that's good that's good. That is good. Like the bad guy clearly like seemed to come across before like unveiling and all that crack, uh, as being kind of like a, a person of the people. Um, yeah. who was kind of like like let's let's do a bit of like you know class warfare here for like for god's sake we're all like at the bottom of the barrel we don't need to be at the bottom of the barrel can we all just like move up um i like that though i like when the um and it, it has parallel to cora as well where in legend of cora um the bad guy is like anti-bending and it's kind of like there's like a class of society being instructed here between those who can bend and those who can't bend. And his whole shtick is like, I can remove the power to bend as a sort of great equalizer. And like, depending on your persuasion, oh. you you what? Say, say again. I, I said, oh God. 
Yeah, I know, right. But depending on your persuasion, you could be like, that is like a, a great kindness to society or horrific, like non-consensual, almost or word uh, sort of thing, like non-sexual or word. Um, and that, that sort of like ambiguity um, is is what makes it really good. So I actually thought the character of um, uh, Al-Jahiz, um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the imposter, um, who's playing to be Al- as Al-Jahiz, they believe. as they believe, um, is, uh, was, was quite good. It was quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, like you said, it was silly that he just kept popping up and being like, I'm here. <laughs> Hello. <Yeah. laughs> um, um, I would there's... like some time for that guy to actually be the good guy though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It would rather, be, it would... rather than like, you know, they constantly like, oh, well, no, we're going to, we're going to be okay with the status quo and the people who are, who are criticizing it are only using it for, for political gain or for their own, their own means. Sometimes it'd be nice to have the other. I would uh, agree with that. It'd be fun to read a book where you're halfway through, you figure out you've been rooting for the bad guys and you need to do a switch. Um, that would be good. That would be kind of fun. Definitely, definitely kind of fun. Um, the more on the kind of like, I guess, potential misrepresentations of this neck of the woods is, um, and I think, I think you talked about this with Black Panther before, but um, there's, I don't know, it feels a little bit like uh, odd that it's like there are non-trivial amount of works that are depicting uh, cultures from Africa that are like you are now extremely powerful in this all timeline and it was because like magic mm-hmm. um happened like it's not because like you know we rerolled the 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 dice on history and you know like politically egypt just happened to do extremely well and assert itself as being a plural powerhouse it's like no the lit- literal like the literal like laws of physics uh, and reality needs to be broken in order for some some culture from Africa to become a dominant player, right? Um, so, you, like, do you mean it's kind of it seems like it's 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 almost offensive because it's denying them actual agency and it need that they need magic to. Yeah, 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 a little bit like that. Yeah, totally, I, I I see your point. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd I agree, but I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know if that if that's going on here, uh, but it just. Again, there's just these thoughts. But as soon as I found out your man Clark was was American, I'm kind of like, again, is this like, is this the equivalent of an American writing about Irish culture mm-hmm. in a hyper real way? Is this what's going on here? And then suddenly the the whole idea of like magic as kind of global power becomes a little bit weird feeling, perhaps. But I I don't really know. Um, it was just, again a hindrance to like serious enjoyment. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing on my end is this I found again just extremely fun um the whole book i think is an ex- exercise in escalation pornography um <laughs> where it's like it starts off it starts off relatively tame with like our our main character uh running into a disgruntled genie or jinn uh in 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 some inner city Cairo place or whatever and like obviously that's fantastical that there's like an actual genie in Cairo yada 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 but it's not like it's not presented as being anything grand. And by the end, like by the end, if I remember correctly, the like a manor gets swallowed in on itself and out of the like sinkhole emerges like a, um, a mech, like an anime, a steampunk, like a, a Arabic 
anime mech thing with like littered with ifrits just manning it and it just walks through Egypt this towering behemoth of a thing and it's like it, it, the book just gradually escalated like every single thing happened was bigger and grander and at the end I was like of course of course a, an entire property gets sw- a mansion gets swallowed an estate gets swallowed whole and out of the ashes arises a mech giant of course of course this is what's happening and it was just it was very it was very fun and extremely silly yeah that that bit was i was like i i felt like we were in a, a different um a different genre nearly <laughs> it was yeah it was weird it was very, clockwork gin mecca exactly 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 um which i just thought was was absolutely mental um now the final point i have um and again it's a more serious point so uh, excuse me if i if i butcher uh my my kind of terminology and verbiage here um the i want to talk about the gender politics mm-hmm. um because i read uh, i can't remember where uh when i was deciding whether or not to get this book that it was kind of like um a bit of a feminist sort of book um, deals with kind of feminist issues, uh, mm-hmm. etc. And reading it, I was like, "No, no, it doesn't." Like, uh, and it it kind of it. I won't say it annoyed me, uh, but it got close to it was it was a bit kind of like lib stuff, do you know? Where it's like it, it's feminism in the sense that yes, there are female characters, like okay, but we're not actually really talking or doing anything here or making points. Um, it's like, you know, the, the only thing I can think of that was like feminist was the fact that the main character and her sidekick were were women in what was previously uh, a male-only occupation. And I'm like, but it's currently not a male-only uh, occupation. So... We missed the feminist part where we talked about how that got changed. We just kind of went straight to the the to the to, to the output, you know. And then there was no, there's very little sort of like watching the pair of them struggle in like a male-dominated world to kind of like hold the lens up at our world. It's just kind of like this is feminism because like lead female, and, it, and that's just kind of really cheap and not very like satisfying. I thought, anyways. Um, and you know i i don't know like i just this i wouldn't exactly call this like a great fully agree with that okay well well talk talk to me i want you to tell me why i'm wrong because i clearly am wrong here because like again in the research people were like praising it for its kind of gender politics so like i don't understand what i'm missing here um so as regards the job thing it's it's very much not a finished um, struggle to, to sure. achieve the, the job equality and uh, the main character has to kind of undergo her own understanding of that that she isn't taking her, her new partner seriously because her new partner is a woman and that she like wants the new partner to have to kind of suffer in the same way that she did and struggle in the same way that she did rather than just taking her seriously right away um, so she's got her kind of own little arc in there Um. And I, I think just like throughout, women are kind of presented on parity with men. That it doesn't necessarily need mean it doesn't necessarily need to be a struggle for it to be um, feminist. Uh, to my mind, it's just you know women are given 
equal agency um, in the narrative, kind of on, on all levels and and at, at every stage. Um, and then with the revelation about the villain, um, so which, I mean, which we've, I mean, we've gone into spoiler territory here. Yeah, um, yeah, so totally. You can you can reveal that. Uh, so you know the the for a good chunk of the book. Um, it's believed that the the villain is uh, the son of one of the the initial victims, um, who's called Alexander Worthington, um, and they think, well, A W, that must be Alexander Worthington, and they get evidence that it's it's him and it's someone from within the Worthington family, and it hasn't been him at all. It's his sister Abigail Worthington, and you know, no one thought that it could be her. No one was taking her seriously, um, and she was actually the 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 mastermind behind it all. Okay, so um, if, if I may jump in here, I think maybe the, I should have realized that for what it is, that no one was taking the the woman seriously. Like, mm-hmm. I just took that bit as being really crap storytelling because <laughs> w- when it was like AW and then I was like, well, it's clearly not going to be who we think it is. Who else can have the initials AW? And then I was like, his sister. And then it proved to be right. Like I, I, the minute they brought up the AW thing and I knew of Abigail Worthington as, as a character, I was like, that's clearly our villain. Like, um, So I guess, yeah, I guess I should have been trying to read that more from an in-universe perspective as opposed to a reader, do you know? Mm. Um, I guess I guess that makes sense. Um, but like, do, sorry, you, you, you were going to continue. I'll let you finish before uh, uh. we're talking. No, I think that was that was most of it. So, I think I think my pro- I agree with what you say, but I think I feel like we could switch the characters um for men and you we would still have the same sort of narrative. Like for example, if if our main character was a man and the psychic was a man, the whole thing of like not taking that person seriously because they want them to struggle uh like our male character struggled would still kind of hold like I felt like there wasn't anything like kind of uniquely from a woman's perspective going on there. And I contrast this with, I mentioned like uh, we're watching Called the Midwife at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I contrast this with Called the Midwife where like everyone, like the, the whole cast is 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 female. And it's, mm-hmm. it's about like a female world, like getting eyes in the female world. And it's about looking at the world and its troubles through that lens. And I just, again, I just kind of feel like in this book's, in this book, like, uh, women have been, like, just put there for the sake of, like, you know, lib If sorry, um, as <laughs> opposed to it being intrinsically about that. Like, did, again, do we, do you think I'm way off base here? I, I don't think it has to be what you're thinking of for it to be a feminist. And I okay. think just, like, okay. for women to be just in it is kind of a, a thing in itself. And a valid thing in itself that it doesn't always have to be about struggle. It's just like, you know, they're, they're just doing the same thing. And... Well, I mean, I would argue that the that the call the midwife uh, point is not about struggle per se. It just it just yeah, feels like no, that's, uh, yeah. Do you know if the call the midwife feels like an authentic mm. woman female experience, whereas this doesn't. This this felt to me like it, it was a dude writing about women. That was real, like uh, lib, like do you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have a strong feeling about it one way or the other. So like, I'm I'm kind of more thrashing out the point than than yeah 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 making my own um statement. But uh, 
Yeah, no, I think just like pre- presenting presenting them on parity is kind of yeah. Okay, I'll, has I'll a value that. of its own in a way. I take that. Um, I guess. I guess maybe. I guess maybe the uh, the issue there for me is that uh, again in the research for the book, it was presented like this was one of the reasons why it, it, it got awards and stuff. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe just the the mere sort of presentation of, of parity is maybe to my mind not award worthy. Um, mm. maybe that's what it is. Like if it was just, if I just came across this book in the wild with no research, I'd be like, oh, fun book or whatever. Maybe it's because it was like gold star for this book. And I'm like, is it a gold star? Maybe, maybe a silver star. Yeah. Like, do you know? But I, I, you I, know, I maybe not in isolation, but maybe if it's, if it's not happening enough in other books, then, you know, that is enough to make it noteworthy. I don't know whether that is the case, but. Yeah. And again, I don't, maybe just, I read. Barlow. Yeah, maybe I just read a lot of stuff that is kind of like um, woman centric. But like I, I said, I finished reading Jasmine Throne, uh, and that's all about about women as well. Um, um, and like Jade City was, it wasn't exclusively, you know, female centric, but the female characters were great in it. Um, yeah, and so I, I, fifth season, and and fifth season. Um, so I feel like I, I read an awful lot of stuff where uh, the presentation of women on uh, being equal to men uh, is like, it happens a lot, you know? So it's again, I, I, it, that's what I'm saying. I was kind of like, I don't think what's going on in this book is particularly noteworthy. Um, mm. And like, I mean, that's fine. That's grand. But it's just, I would question like, why are we giving awards? Why is this getting awarded? If, if that's one of the reasons why it was award worthy, I, I, I don't know. Um, and I got look. I look. I am a man. I could be just talking absolute nonsense. Like this is you know. It, it, you know. Once uh, I gave the book to the captain, I was like, "You need to read this. I want to hear your opinions." If the captain comes back to me, it was kind of like, uh, "This is up there with the great feminist works." I'll be like, "Okay, time to check my opinions here <laughs> because like I'm, I'm clearly off base, and I suspect I am off base here." But it was just something was not um, not sitting with me there. Yeah, I, I, I suppose the uh, final thing on my point, my part, this is to take to go away from a serious point to a more kind of silly point. Um, steampunk. So this book, I thought, was a steampunk book, right? Based on the cover of the book and what the Wikipedia yeah. page said. D- did you feel like the steampunk vibes were a little bit weak throughout the book? Because when I think about it, I get um, the, the big giant mecha gin no, mecha ifrit carrier thing like that was really steampunky and there was a part that one of the buildings had an internal thing that was clearly depicted as being like coggy and things like that but yeah. in general if i felt a little bit kind of steampunk light did you feel this as well and if so good or bad thing because i know steampunk could be a kind of like contentious <laughs> sort of genre um yeah i mean it's, it's a thing i've uh uh I, I I like it in in very very specific ways, and a lot of it is really terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was steampunk. Yeah, absolutely. Was, okay, okay. Airships and uh, clockwork computers and things. Yeah, absolutely. I missed the clockwork computers. The <laughs> the the brain of the the ministry that she works for is like a clockwork computer that powers the building. Oh yeah, that's what I was referring to. The, the yeah. thing in the building, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that was a... I, I missed that that was a brain. Sorry. Um, okay. Uh, interesting. I, I thought I, I thought it could have been more directly scheme, uh, steampunky, like pointed out more a little bit. Um, mm. 
But maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe that's a bit, bit just being a bit nail on the head sort of thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I you know, as I said, I'm, I'm not like necessarily a huge fan of the genre in some way, so I didn't mind that. But also there, there's kind of a, a thing going on that, you know, magic defeats Maxim guns. So the, the industrialization that is implied by steampunk is is like the lesser force compared to the mm. the art of the jinn. That is oh that's really poetic. Fair play. Mm. Um the, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um the and I guess another thing just occurred to me. I, I, I'm gonna disagree with what I just said. Uh and maybe it's not a good idea to be more overt about it because they I felt like the author was really fixated on the visual look of the car of the main character. Um with her bowler hat and cane. And mm-hmm. I get the impression that's like a steampunky trope sort of thing, is it? Um, I guess so, actually, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, because that, that annoyed me as well, because I, I, we kept getting references to her, like, um, uh, you, know, you couldn't leave the flat unless uh, the, the hat, and like, oh, where is my bowler hat? And it was yeah. like, I feel like actually now that I think about it, the, if the book was like that, but just everywhere, trying to point out the steampunky vibes, I think I would get, I would, get tired of that book really fast so i think maybe the pitch the way it's pitched is actually okay is good and i i felt that was more a, a characterization thing than anything because she 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 talks about or i mean it's it's not from her perspective directly but um the narration talks about her clothes a lot more than it talks about anyone else's and it does refer to how other people are dressed but it gives hers a lot more detail just because she's a dandy she's a dandy yeah i don't know what that term means Oh, like a a a well dressed young man with kind of aspirations to social mobility in the eighteen hundreds. Oh, a dandy! Wow, yeah. I did not know that at all. Yeah, it's it's a uh, like you get guys in period dramas, dandies. <laughs> all of them, literally all of them. No, they might be. They might be. Uh, a man unduly concerned but looking stylish and fashionable ha, I am an undandy I am I have no concern about looking stylish and fashionable none whatsoever I am I, I come to you no joke Bill in my in a t-shirt that is so stupidly moth eaten that it's not even funny do I care <laughs> not even slightly it is a garment it hides my shame <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm in grey tracky shorts and a cardigan, so, yeah. You're in grey tracky shorts, Bill. Come on, you're letting aside that. Where is your your velvet smoking jacket lapel pin whatever nonsense that you usually wear? Actually, where is my velvet smoking jacket? Where is your velvet That's smoking jacket? That's a good question. I don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to find that. Yeah, so... Um, Okay, th- those are my points. I, I basically mm. just wanted to talk to you about the politics side of it. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't fully agree that it's, it's kind of, it's just fluff and has has nothing to say. I, mean, I think it, do, it is kind of reacting to colonialism and 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 uh, Western racism and stuff. Um, you know, and I and I enjoyed that element of it. Yeah, uh, maybe okay, maybe it's a harsh to say that it's got nothing to say um again just at the risk of repeating myself um for something that has won awards i would expect it to be a lot more um i guess visionary 
um mm. that than it is as i guess is is my issue um but it was but like i said it was fun like this is a fun yeah. book I, w- I would read it again it is a fun ride and like the escalation pornography is just it's a it's a great thing to be on that ride um but y- yeah the the bards will not sing of this book in hundreds of years time I'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> um any other closing thoughts um not about master of Jin, but about about uh, the legend of Kara. Oh, sorry. Yes, Legend of Korra. Dot dot dot. Do it. Le- lead us out with a banger here, Bill. Um, I haven't watched the Legend of Korra. Good start. But I'm about ninety minutes away from watching the Legend of Korra. Oh, you're about to finish uh, TLA. Yes, I have literally the the final ninety minute episode of the Last Airbender left to watch. Oh, having never watched it before. The Okay, that that's interesting. We need, yeah, we we should probably put a pin on this, unless there's something you really want to say, because I think the ninety minute episode is 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 noteworthy. Um, you want to be ninety minutes long? Uh, yeah, um, but and it may it may color how you view the the show. I'm okay. trying I'm trying not to to, to cool. ruin it for you. Uh, so yeah. far though, just a quick little um, give us a quick little vibe check. How are how are we thinking? Really enjoying it. Really, really, really enjoyed it. So it's it's like my third or fourth attempt to watch it, and I, I I found it hard to get into before. I thought it was a bit like kind of kiddie at the start. The last few times I tried, uh, but then I I watched like the first season in like two days. <laughs> once I once once I broke through that barrier, uh, yeah, great characters. Um, they they behave convincingly as as kids and as teenagers without being annoying. Um. Because we all know how much you hate children. Um, well, I hate children in things. In real mm. life, they're fine. Um, and yeah, lo- a little bit more nuance to the world building than I expected at first, which I enjoyed. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, it's not exactly pro-violence, but the, the, the idea I'm getting from it so far is like, sometimes you need to use a bit of violence. Sometimes it's the language that they understand. Um, and, you know, acting acting violently in, in self-defense and, and, and stuff, and that is that is justified. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good so far. Any, I'm looking forward you've, to finishing it and starting Kara. Uh, do you have any um, criticisms of it? Mm, nothing comes to mind right away, no. Hmm. Okay. Cause, I mean, uh, to my mind, I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's absolutely great. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an issue with the with the ninety minute episode, which is hardly a fresh take. I think everyone has a similar issue. Um, okay. But we we should we should talk about that once you finished it. N- next month. Next month. It'll take you a whole month to watch. The, you're gonna watch every day. You're gonna watch it uh, like a uh, an equal amount of average yeah, last watch three episode. minutes a day until we record again. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Um, okay. So uh, I'm going to, in fact, I'm actually going to do that because I love Last Airbender. I'm going to put it in AP 79 uh, Avatar. Right. Is that us, Bill? Um, that is us. All right. Uh, folks, thank you so much for uh, listening, watching, subscribing, patronizing, all that good stuff. Um, I hope you had as much fun as I did. Um, we're going to finish the show with a couple of minutes of Bill just saying a besky words. So uh, <laughs> Bill will see you out. Until next time. Edgar out. Edgar out. <laughs> <laughs>
Yarta Yarthan, Simas, Vistan, Audian, Dajag to Shansha, Oskin to Ater, Arbe, Siam, Yolin, Peli, Enthia, Dieten, Bolsha, Baron to Eintov, Yathara, Alega Korath, Felin Krastka, Levent to Athran, Agari Tsiyar, Sorend to Chletsky, Benvin, Sorvit to Ovnian, Slvata, Lilani, Eritha Tsi Agarin, Ermaiden, Jensir to Hlarven, Naham to Valbe, Borsov Tsi Erens, Bashin, Vishta, Evrich, Sinem, Ferdi, Leov, Coven, Servi, Enklan, Mapnir, Velina, Naruna, Makavar, Tsodena Iltsat, Grey Bowron, Alet, Ulne, Irasha, Alsech, Grigana, Avesk, Zhikav, Mirsfir, Lansk, Otvev, Vilv, Usen, Vikol, Selin, Porad, Abga, Uple, Trier, Smatur, Edmir, Olyen, Lotiel, Vel Ada, the Tamar Company, the Eltian Company, the Valdin Company, Arvix, Urselk, Dvint. Dashi used as a generative suffix. 